0: It is my pleasure to welcome Bishop Michael Nazir-Ali to the pulpit. Bishop Michael was the Bishop of Rochester. That's Rochester in England, not Rochester in New York. Uh, and he is now the president of the Oxford Center for Training, Research, Advocacy, and Dialogue. Bishop Michael is the author of many books and he is a faithful advocate for the persecuted church. And it is that final aspect of his interest that brings him to this area over this past week. Bishop Michael, we are delighted that you are here with us. And I should mention it is due to our connection through Gitachu, our mission partner, uh, that uh, we have the pleasure of Bishop Michael with us this morning. Thank you. Let us pray. Lord, take my lips and speak your word through them. Take our minds and think your thoughts through them, and take our hearts, making them a place for your spirit. Amen. Well, thank you very much indeed, uh, Father David, for your warm welcome to this parish, and um, I know that I've been introduced to it by Gatachu, and you may be thinking with some apprehension, uh, what is it now and um, you never know with Getachu what, what, what the next corner brings, and of course you will discover that very soon in a, in a few hours' time when you visit him. But we praise God for his ministry and for his dedication, uh, his stickability in those very difficult uh, circumstances in northern Kenya, and we continue, of course, to pray for him. Uh, When uh, David invited me to preach this morning, he uh, said that um, he was going through uh, a series about simple gifts, and he gave me a list of what he thought those gifts were and said, well, uh, you make your choice, and I chose the one on words because it made most sense to me, I suppose. Um, So here we are. I don't know where this stands in your series. Is this the third one in the series, or...? Third, yeah, oh, well, I'm... So it's about words, and uh, as Christians, when we see the term words, we are, of course, immediately reminded of the word, God's eternal, creative, active word that brings the world, the universe, into existence. You know, in that very first chapter of the Bible, uh, we keep hearing, and God said, God said, God said, and it was. The creative uh, word of God that has brought the, the whole of the universe into existence. And it is not just that this uh, eternal, active, creative word has brought the universe into existence, but the word keeps the universe in existence at every moment in time, sustains all that is. Uh, Those in information technology tell me that the universe to continue to be needs fresh information to remain ordered and predictable and expand in just the right way at the right speed so that it doesn't explode into fragments or contract into a little football. And it is, for us, God's reason, God's mind, God's creative word, which expresses, who expresses his mind and his heart, that keeps the universe in being. Um, So that's that's a miracle, isn't it? The very existence of the universe. Uh, We don't perhaps experience the miracle so much uh, because it's all around us. It's like water for fish. We We don't see it, but it is there, and we need to think about it. But there is another miracle, and that is indeed our capacity, our capacity to understand this incredible world. You know, again, it's something we take for granted, but our capacity to understand it, even if we can't fully understand it, uh, our capacity, not only to understand it and to make sense of it, but to do something with it. Human beings are uniquely able to change the world in which we live. I know that uh, everyone is celebrating the 50th anniversary of the landings on the moon. And what a great achievement that was, a giant leap indeed for mankind. But it was only possible because we can understand a universe that is ordered and predictable. You see, if it, if it had not been so, there would have been no moon landing. And um, even more impressive, I find, returning from the moon. I mean, it's one thing to get there, but it's even more difficult to get back home. So everything depends on the word who has brought the universe into being, who orders uh, the universe, and who gives us the capacity To understand it. And not only to understand it, but to express our understanding in words. You see, that is what makes it possible for us to share our understanding with one another, with the next generation. I mean, people go to school. And what happens at school? The teachers who know something, at least they think they know, tell the pupils, the students, what they know. So it's from generation to generation. It's across cultures. We can communicate across cultures, whatever our divisions and differences, when you get to northern Kenya tomorrow, uh, David, you will be able to share with people there, although they are very different uh, from you. Words are important. They are Uh, unique human speech uh, is a unique gift. Well, of course, animals uh, can communicate to some extent with one another, and even birds. Uh, I know David is a great birder, and you'll see lots of birds, I expect, uh, in Kenya. Uh, But I was watching two blackbirds communicate with one another across a distance. And that's great. But there's nothing like... um, the depth and the complexity of human speech, our ability to get ideas across uh, one another, however different we may be from one another. And this gift of words is actually simply a manifestation of the word, the word, God's word who brings everything into existence. So in that sense, the word is all around us and we use words uh, to understand what the word has done and what the word is doing. But in the Bible, God's word is also used in another sense. We heard about it in our reading from the prophet Ezekiel. And that is the word that comes to the prophets to those who are called especially by God to bring his word to his people. And in Ezekiel, we have this rather sad situation. The exiles, who have become exiles from their own land because of their rebellion and their disobedience to what God had asked of them, are sitting by a river in a strange land. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat down and wept as it says in the Psalms, that is what they were doing. And Ezekiel is given a very difficult task of bringing God's word to people who were in this depressed and mournful state. And the passage read uh, to you this morning is about that. It is about the, the solemn responsibility of those who are asked to communicate God's word to his people. And it says here that if they don't take this responsibility seriously and do not communicate what has been given to them by God and the people continue on the path to destruction, there they have a responsibility. Theirs is the responsibility and they will be uh, held accountable for not doing what they were called to do. But if they do what they've been asked to do and the people listen, well, there's salvation. If the people don't listen, there's destruction, but those called to teach will be vindicated. We are told in the letter of James for people not to want to be teachers. Let not many of you be teachers, he says, because of this grave Responsibility of telling the truth of God's word to his people and to the world. And even Paul, great preacher and apostle, uh, in the first letter to the Corinthians says, Lest having preached to others, I myself should be found wanting. You see, how um, serious is that warning? to those called to teach. So God's word given to the prophets uh, to bring uh, those uh, who turn towards that word salvation and those who turn away from it, of course, the judgment that the word also brings. The climax, of course, everything comes together into this wonderful climax of the taking of flesh by the word. The word became flesh, it says in St. John's Gospel, and was with us, dwelt amongst us. The word who has created the whole universe, the word who gives meaning, the possibility of meaning to us, the word who has made possible human speech at all by which uh, we communicate and love and have relationships and learn in the beginning was the word the word was with god the word was god and this word becomes flesh and dwells amongst us see so in jesus we see all that god intends and purposes We see God's purpose in our own destiny and in the destiny of the universe. Jesus, here in St. Luke's Gospel, in the portion that was uh, just read to you, is sending out people into the world. The the number 70 actually uh, suggests that uh, a universal mission because at that time it was thought there were 70 nations in the world. Well, we now have many more. Um, But it is symbolic of a universal mission uh, to which they are being sent here in Luke's Gospel. And um, they are given the word as the prophets were to bring to the people. The mission is urgent. There is no time to be lost. I mean, one of the things that I've been so impressed with uh, Getachu's ministry is this sense of urgency. He, he's never still, you know, he's always moving on to something else and someone else and, and so on. Uh, no doubt you will experience that restlessness. I'm sure you have uh, already uh, with Getachu. And there is that sense Of urgency here. Do not greet people on the road. Do not carry too much uh, so that you are burdened by what you are carrying. Uh, And you are to go out with the word. Having now been with the word made flesh, you're to take that word to the world. And as ever, the word is not just voice not just sound, the word, when it is brought to people has an effect on them, on their households, on their communities. So both families are mentioned here, and towns and cities. And what does the word do? Peace be to this house. Well, in a way, this is a conventional greeting still in the Middle East uh, that people use. But as ever, Jesus is infusing this with a new meaning. The word brings peace. Being justified by faith, says Paul, we have peace with God. Peace with God. It undoes our alienation from the very source of our being peace be to you. And because it undoes our alienation from the very source of our being, makes us friends with God, reconciles us uh, to God our Father, we are then found to be at peace uh, within, within ourselves and at peace with one another. So the word has the effect of bringing peace. And the church indeed is called to be a peacemaker, to bring peace to the world, to bring the message of the Prince of Peace in a violent uh, and quarrelsome world. And then the word heals. Heal the sick in it, in whatever town or city or household you are. Um, visiting. Heal, heal the sick. That is to say, make whole people who are disturbed in their relationships, in their bodies, in their minds, in their spirit. The church has a continuing ministry of making people whole, of bringing God's wholeness to them by word and by sacrament. Never neglect the healing power of the sacraments. St. Ignatius, martyred in 107 AD, calls this the medicine of immortality. The medicine of immortality. Heal, heal the sick. Because the word has brought the kingdom of God. Say to them, the kingdom of God is dangling over you. That is what it means. It is so imminent It is here already. Jesus said, didn't he, to the crowds, uh, do not ask uh, where is the kingdom because the kingdom of God is here already. What does that mean? In what ways? Well, of course, the signs were all around them of what Jesus was doing and saying. But we can say for ourselves that it is actually Jesus who is himself the kingdom. You see, so don't go around looking here and there for the kingdom, because I am the kingdom, says Jesus. I am the kingdom. And this is the primary way in which we understand God's word, become flesh in Jesus Christ, good news for us as peace and healing and the presence of the kingdom. But again, from word we come to words. Words. So these are words, the scriptures, the Bible, are the words, inspired words, reliable words, that give us news of the word. You see, it is the word. Jesus is the living word and scripture is a reliable testimony to this living word. Indeed, we would know Nothing about God's word if we didn't have the scriptures. It is only through the scriptures that we know who is God's word. What has God's word done? What is God's word doing? What is God's word going to do? And then there are the words of the preaching of the church. Well, you may think you've already had enough of those words today. The preaching of the church is not identical with Scripture. Uh, Because, of course, uh, when we preach, we take into account every context, every culture, every language. Uh, When you will be preaching in northern Kenya, David, you will be preaching differently from how you preach here. Because the people uh, you are encountering, the people you are dealing with, the people who are listening are different. So the preaching of the church is not identical with the Bible, but it cannot contradict the Bible. Nor does the Bible contradict the authentic preaching of the church. So there is a mutuality of relationship, but in the end, when any question arises whether something is or is not according to God's will and purpose, that is decided by these words that are a reliable testimony to the word, to the living word. We praise God uh, for that, of course. But words are also important in communicating the good news day by day with our friends, in our homes, in our schools, at our place of work. How important it is to maintain freedom of conscience and belief in our place of work. You see, freedom of belief is not just about being able to worship freely. It is being able everywhere, in public or in private, alone or with others, to share our beliefs with others. They don't have to accept them, uh, but we should be free uh, to express ourselves and our beliefs in word and in action. Words and word, the two belong together. There would be no words without the word. And we can use as Christians the words God has given us, the languages he has given us, to express the truth of the eternal, creative, and active word of God. Now to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, be all might, majesty, honor, and dominion, now and forever. Amen.